how you do something is just as important as what you do. Charity should be done with dignity and empowerment. Did we create a scenario where we were the hero rather than creating a scenario where they could be the hero to their own family? It's about the hope that that represents. Clean laundry is, is a dignifier. Hey everyone, Dave Menz coming to you again from Cincinnati, Ohio for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. I'm here with a new friend of mine that I met recently at a networking event, and I'm excited to tell this story today. So so buckle in because this is going to be a little bit different version of our usual, usual show, but I know it's something that you're going to want to hear about, learn about. Um, we're, we're excited to, uh, to see if we can move the needle a little bit. And uh, our guest today is doing some fantastic stuff around the world, and we're just hoping to be a little bit a part of that and give him a little bit of the shot in the arm. Uh, but anyway, I'm here today with my beautiful wife, Carla, and a really, really sharp guest who's really impacting communities, and we're excited to tell the story. Um, so let's get into it. Carla, do you want to introduce our guest? Yes. So today we have with us Jason Sell. He is the founder of Current Initiatives, a nonprofit organization focusing on meeting the needs of the lower income families in underserved communities. So Jason, thanks so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I have to ask, I know, I know you say the name of your organization is Current Initiatives. And my understanding is a lot of what we're going to talk about today is what you call the Laundry Project. Um, can, can you just real quickly, I want to, I want to dive into this cause I know you're doing all kinds of good stuff here, uh, when we talked offline and, uh, can you just dive into like how, who were, who were you as an individual growing up a young kid and how did you get involved in something like this? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in, uh, in Florida, I live in Florida and my parents were both first responders. Um, a few minutes ago, we were talking about hurricanes and stuff. Stuff like that. Um, I grew up in a kind of in a space where, you know, both my parents, anytime, anytime there was emergencies, anytime there were things, you know, they both served the community in different ways. And um, I kind of always knew as a, as a kid, um, just always had a, you know, think, think about what I was going to do when I grow up and stuff. It started out as, oh, I want to be a cop like my dad or whatever. Dad talked us out of, talked us all out of that. He was going into the family business. Um, so, um, you know, eventually I settled on, uh, going to seminary, um, and wanted to, wanted to go that route. So I went to seminary, was a pastor for a while and, um, did a lot of missions work when I, when I did that, but I was kind of frustrated with, um, how in my world and in the church world that I was in, how we did missions work. Um, it was, you know, we're going to another country, which is needful you know we're going to these other countries but what i started realizing or struggling with is we're passing neighborhoods in my own city going to the airport to fly to another country to help people mm-hmm. and not doing anything for those neighborhoods uh you know 10 minutes down the road um you know there's various reasons for that one of them probably the, the most unconscious prominent one is that it's not as sexy if you will to take photos and you know your neighborhood in your own city as it is to take photos in a third world country and all of that. And um, so that was a little frustrating to me. My other frustration was that when we would do those things, most of the time, uh, again, a needful thing, you know, you, we would go, you know, we're doing vacation Bible schools or different things like that in those, in these villages or whatever, and then leaving. And my frustration was that we're, it's great that we did that, but they're also potentially going to die from something that I can buy from 
Walgreens, you know, the over the counter that can cure whatever the thing is that they're struggling with, but we're not doing anything for that. So um, when I left the church I was working at, I was kind of really figuring out what I wanted to do next. And I kind of designed in my own head, if I could do anything um, specifically, how would I want to do it? And so I wanted to really focus on neighborhoods in our own, right here in our own cities and work on some tangible needs that people just don't think about, um, which uh, turned into the first thing being the laundry project that we kind of stumbled into. Um, and I kind of learned the need from uh, some friends out in Southern California. They were working with some homeless, homeless people and I was on vacation out there and went and hung out with them for a little bit. They took one of the guys they work with to a laundromat and uh, washed his clothes because he hadn't washed his clothes in a while. And it wasn't the guy that got me. It was while I was in that laundromat um, listening to and then eventually talking to some families that were there washing clothes and just, you know, listening to a single mom tell her story about making a choice between buying groceries that week or washing their clothes that week for her kids. And, um, you know, that I'd never heard that before being a need for people. And it, you know, broke my heart and I started doing some research on it. And that's uh, kind of what, you know, I fell backwards into the laundry industry that way. <laughs> <laughs> fell backwards. Yeah. Those of us that are, I know when we first got into the industry, we obviously didn't understand the, the need. <clears throat> I think we just saw it as another business and we, we learned very quickly um, that what I now call laundromats, I say one of the unique uh, things about that business model from a business perspective, it's that a vital community resource. And, yeah. uh, and I don't, I don't take those words lightly, lightly. I mean, I mean, every words, um, every single word of that. And uh, I don't, I don't think another people understand the opportunity, maybe, I guess is the best way I'll put it. I mean, me and me and Carla were members of the church ourselves. And so we've been raised to serve others. And it's a part of it's it's a part of who we are, um, and so it's just intertwined in our um, in our business minds, if you will. But mm -hmm. you know, I know that's not the case for everybody. Um, but you know, I also am very well aware there's a lot of people out there that are are not members of the church that are doing an awful lot of good stuff mm -hmm. um, yeah. too. And so that's a big part of kind of having you on is letting people know. You know, when you own a laundromat, a vital community resource, there's there's many different ways that that we as laundromat owners can impact the community. Supporting an initiative and a project like yours is one of those. Can you walk us through kind of the I don't know if business model is the right way to put it, but the the nonprofit model. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> your model of how you uh, how you maybe walk you through walk us through how you did the first one. But was I'm guessing it was probably pretty simple. I know you have a little yeah. bit more elaborate setup nowadays, and how you you grew through that process just so we can kind of understand it a little more sure yeah so uh 13 years ago is when i started it and um i live in tampa florida and that's where we started it. when i came back from that trip from california um i wanted to figure out how to do that and so i um one of the neighborhoods that when i worked at the church i was at that we would uh do some stuff in occasionally was um lower income neighborhood here in tampa and i knew of a laundromat there and had some contacts there and um just got a group of people together raised a little bit of money and went to this laundromat had zero plan zero um you know we didn't have any signage we didn't have anything kind of identifying us as something legitimate you know mm -hmm. and on top of that i tried to find uh 
the owner of the laundromat and uh, try to get their information. So just to ask permission, which is a little backwards for me. Usually I, I go for the forgiveness part and permission <laughs> later. You know? um, but I was like, well, let's try the permissions route first. And um, we could not, I, one of the guys on my board is a uh, security specialist does you know, private investigation as well. He couldn't even find the, the owner's information. Um, that crazy? Which I'll tell you why in a minute, but um so I just went, well, let's just go show up and do it and start doing it. You know, if the owner shows up and doesn't want us there, they'll tell us to leave or, you know, whatever. And so we did just showed up and with a group of people and um, it really just, I came in with like a box of quarters and a group of people and just started trying to pay for people's laundry. And, um, it, you know, it was, it was a little disjointed to begin with, but uh learned figured out some processes as we went um and started doing that for every few months every couple months for the first year and um eventually uh, the newspaper here wrote a story about it and the owner of this laundromat the day the story comes out uh he i guess was sitting at his table reading the newspaper and uh his story is that he tells his wife looks up at his wife he says hey our our laundromats in the, in the news today. And his wife's response was, did somebody die at our laundromat? <laughs> you know, this, this is a murder. And uh, he goes, no, no, it's actually for something good. And uh, so he contacted the, the reporter <clears throat> to get my information, contacted me. He loved it. Um, and, and now is actually on our board. Oh, wow. Uh, <clears throat> turns out the reason we couldn't find his information is at the time he was the head of the Department of Children and Family Services for the state of Florida. So his information was private. Mm. Um, so, you know, we couldn't find any owner info that way, but he's become one of our biggest advocates ever since then. And um, it just kind of went from there, you know, to start with, it was just, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Now there's a whole plan to it. Um, you know, when we, when we come in, there's, we've got a whole system that people go through when they come in to wash their clothes and how people, how we help them and how we do our, our process. And, you know, we actually have signs and things like that to, and usually permission from the owner at this point. So. Mm -hmm. Are you renovating your store or building a new one? Tired of persistent and expensive plumbing issues like I was? Get an HM Company drain trough to give those drain lines a fighting chance against the constant wear and tear of laundromat life. Sizing is fully customizable to meet your needs and lead times are a maximum of two weeks. I've used them in my stores in Cincinnati for years and I'm installing them in my new store which is opening soon. Visit their website today at draintroughs.com and contact your distributor to order your drain trough today. What is that? What does that look like? I'm curious, kind of the little and the reason I want to bring this up is one, I want people to understand the work that goes into these projects that you put on that they could be supporting. Um, but and I, I assume this is OK with you. Um, I, I, I'm just going to take the liberty of saying it. I'm guessing that you would more than welcome laundromat owners to take on something like this as their own. Like if sure. I, if we just decided we want to do some version of this ourselves, I mean, you obviously can't be in every community and every laundromat, maybe someday. Right. Um, and so maybe I, I, I guess I kind of hope there's a little bit of like, 
laundromat owners like ourselves out there that are like, hey, this is a good idea, and I could maybe not do it quite as well as Jason's organization, but I could do my own version of it where you mm -hmm. can't be in all these places at once. So I think there's, I, I think there's something for us laundromat owners to learn in the 13 years of you doing that, if that's okay. So sure. is it kind yeah. of is it kind of similar to like I know some laundromats do like a free laundry day. Is that similar to what you all do? Yeah, yeah. So okay. the way, yeah, essentially, um, the way it works for us is um, we always, so partnerships are a big deal for us. Partnerships are essential. One of the things that we express too with doing these is that we want them to be supported by their own communities. So I live in Tampa and originally it was, I had no plans of doing it anywhere else. It was just, I want to do it here in my own city, help mm -hmm. my communities. Um, it just kind of grew out of that to, you know, 13 years later, we're in 15 different states uh, wow. across the country, um, like 52 cities, I think that we, that we do these in. Um, and it kind of, it kind of went from that to like, you know, people moving to other cities that were here that were part of it, or, uh, you know, someone in other cities seeing a news article or a news story that we do and contacting us and it going from there. And, for us, it's a, we, we need a group of people in that particular city, um, if funded by people in that city, not funded by donors in Tampa, you know, funding mm -hmm. Cincinnati or wherever. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it, for us, when we do it, we typically have a team lead there that runs, runs as volunteers. And essentially we take over the launch map for a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, at some point we got connected with CLA years ago and started kind of coaching through CLA how, um, you know, laundromats could do this on their own if they wanted to. What we ran into is the, uh, a lot of laundromats we work with, they're not typically in a financial position that they, that they could go, no. oh, I could spend a thousand dollars or $2,000, whatever it is. Um, so for us coming in, we don't ever ask the owner to do it for free or, or to lower their prices. When I come to an owner and say, hey, can we host this thing at your, at your laundry? laundromat it's i come in with we're going to pay for it because i don't want you to lose money as an owner um, because in those neighborhoods especially if that business is hurt and goes away that's not good for anyone it makes things mm -hmm. worse in that neighborhood so for us it's a it's a two-fold thing it's we're helping people that are financially struggling but we also want to make sure that you make your money as a business as well mm -hmm. obviously there are laundromats and laundromat owners that they are in a financial position that they can do that kind of thing and we always encourage owners that if they can host a free laundry day and it doesn't have to be all day. Sometimes as owners are like, well, I don't have, you know, I can't do an all day thing. When we do our projects, we do it in a three hour or four hour block at, at a laundromat. Um, mm -hmm. So typically we come in and go, Hey, we want to take over your laundromat from like 10 AM to 1 PM on a Saturday. And um, you know, we're just going to run our program. People do their own laundry. We don't, we don't disrupt it in the sense that like, we're doing laundry for people. Customers do their own laundry. I'm mm -hmm. not going to touch your laundry other than helping you bring it inside if I need to, maybe helping you move it from your washer to your dryer. And maybe the volunteers are helping you fold at some point if you want it. I'm assuming when you, you market these ahead of time, right? Yeah. I assume. Mm -hmm. So I would guess there's a pretty good influx of people. Is that just to keep that throughput moving along? Yes. Yeah. So there's a couple, couple reasons. One, uh, one of the reasons for us too, is that um, part of, part of our philosophy of charity is that charity um, should be done with dignity and empowerment. Mm. Um, a lot of times organizations, when they, 
they identify a need that people have um, and they go, oh, I'm going to figure out a way to meet that need. And they start doing it. A lot of times organizations and people don't take the extra step to go, is how we're doing this dignifying for the people that we're helping? One of our philosophies is how you do something is just as important as what you do. Hmm. So for us, it's a there's a little bit of a dignity piece there of like, I'm not here to put you to the side and I'm going to take your stuff and I'm going to do it for you because I know better how to do it. For example, year, I gave up years ago trying to tell people you don't need that much soap or you don't, <laughs> whatever. So did we. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, because um, as soon as, you know, they would listen to us. And then as soon as we walk away, they would like sneakily, you know, pour <laughs> even more in there. Um, and so there's a dignity piece in there of like, this is your laundry. You can do it. Uh, also, you're dealing with people's, you know, underwear and stuff like that. Some people are embarrassed about that, whatever. We want you to do that. There's also a piece of responsibility on top of that, of charity, not not creating um, uh, a dependency. Mm. Um, so we don't want to take the piece of we're here to do everything for you. So give us your laundry. We're going to do it all for you. You sit down and take a nap and then we're going to bring it back to you. It's a responsibility of. No, this is your laundry to the point that we even tell them we're not moving this to the dryer for you. If you're not here when your washer is done, we're going to take it out of the machine. We're going to put it in a basket and we're going to put your name on it. And it's going to sit in the corner until you come back because we're not here to do your laundry for you. We're here to take care of the financial side and the supplies and things like that. Did you approach it that way from the beginning or did you learn Oh, maybe we're creating maybe a little bit of a monster here on your first few projects or. Yeah. So we did it that those particular pieces we did from the beginning, okay. the piece that I learned were kind of creating a monster is when we first started, we did it every month on the same, essentially the same Saturday. So let's say first Saturday of the month uh, at the same laundromat for a while. Oh. And I learned pretty quickly we were creating a dependency on that where um customers started going and then i didn't hear them say this but we could tell and there were other conversations we're having that we picked up on what they start a lot of people started doing was well they're going to be at the laundromat the first saturday of the month so i'm not going to do anything throughout the month i'm just going to go you know spend money on other things whatever mm -hmm. because i know i can show up next saturday and it can bring ever every bit of laundry I have mm -hmm. and they'll do it kind of thing. And so we learned um, doing it every month at the same place is not healthy. Um, and two, it's not great for the laundromat either, just in a sense of um, what that creates with the environment there, uh, mm -hmm. the expectation that people have of like, well, every month you do this for free. And then if we're not there and then they you know, they go to the owner hassle the owner or whoever's working so you had some experiences where people kind of became entitled almost is that a fair yeah. way of putting it yeah 100 percent. had yeah. you and i don't know if this is relevant had you experienced similar things in like your mission work where you would is that like did you kind of go into this project uh maybe a little bit sensitive and aware because you had done so much of similar work through the church or was it just kind of you learned on the fly with this project uh it's a little bit of both so when I started seeing these things, what I, what I learned is I retroactively learned in some of these mission trips and things that we did recognizing, Oh, we were, we were doing some of this backwards back then and didn't even realize it. 
Um, I came into starting this. I had I had read a I'd read a book um, that someone had given me when I started my organization. A book called When Helping Hurts, um, and it it helped me understand the mentality of you know you can by doing good things if you don't do them properly you can create you can hurt more than you can help because mm. you're creating dependency and entitlement and all all the trickle down things of that mm-hmm. also the idea of not wanting to be the white savior complex which is what i saw a lot in that missions mm. in church world was typically you're bringing predominantly you know white kids teenagers whatever to a predominantly um, you know, black or Hispanic, uh, country. And it kind of creates that white savior complex a little bit rather than focusing on, for example, what I retroactively learned was when we built that school building for them, probably a better way to have done that rather than let's spend all this money to bring people from the U S to this country and build this building for them. Let's raise money. Let's hire people within that community that are skilled laborers or teach them that skilled labor and use that money to teach them for them to build the building themselves so that that creates an ongoing ability for them to, Oh, I've got the skill. Now I can now get a job or do whatever, doing these other things. So it helped me retroactively realize, Oh, there, if we don't think this through properly, we're going to create more entitlement and more empowerment. Uh, It's, it's that old, uh, don't give them fish, teach them to fish kind of analogy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that. And so, for example, another project that we do this, you know, if I can use this real quick, is called Affordable Christmas. And we do once a year and we host it where, so if you think about Christmas as one of those, one of those times that people are always get very generous and they're, you know, they're giving away clothes or they're giving away things. So there's a couple, couple things for us that when we do this Affordable Christmas event, one of the key things for us is that it, everything's new, brand new, unused Christmas items. We look at things like if it's not good enough for my family, then it's not good enough for the families that we're helping. If I wouldn't do it this way for my own kids, I wouldn't, I shouldn't do it this way for someone else's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why things like, oh, I'm getting rid of clothes. And so I'm going to go give them to a family or whatever. The not that there's not that there's anything wrong with giving clothes away, but what it does create is the idea that um, this is throwaway stuff for me, so they should just be happy with what they have, rather than what's the best that we can do for people. Um, and so, with our affordable Christmas, for example, instead of like, hey, you know, you're poor, you can't afford Christmas for your kids. What do your kids want for Christmas? great. Let's go get that. We're going to bring that to you in my church world experience. When we would do that kind of stuff, a lot of times it was, we bring, we'll bring them to the church and we'll surprise them in front of everybody with this, like, you know, the, 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 uh, Oh, we're going to order pizza and the delivery person gets here and then we're going to tip them a thousand dollars and surprise them in front of everyone and all that kind of ideology. And there's all of that is a good heart, but what it does is one, it's embarrassing for the person that's being helped. I remember doing that at our church years ago. And I remember one of my, I was a youth pastor. And so the kids, you know, we learned it through the, through the teenagers did this Christmas thing. And I remember looking back, watching this dad during that be so embarrassed that by the whole scenario and realizing, man, we really, 
we really sent a message to his kids about him, about her, you know, the mom, that kind of stuff. And um, so what we do is like they come and shop and it's new unused items, but we let them shop and pick out what they want for their kids, what they know that their kids are going to want for Christmas and they pay for it, but it's about a 10th of the retail cost. Mm -hmm. So for them, what we want to do is just make it affordable so that that parent can go home and look at their kid and go, I got this for you. Wasn't Mm -hmm. some random stranger that showed up at our house and brought us, you know, dropped us stuff at, at the house. And the terminology that a single dad used one time as he was talking about it was about this bicycle for his kid. And the one thing his kid asked for for Christmas was a bicycle. And um, he said, you know, he told his son, I can't, I can't afford that this year. So don't get your hopes up. He gets invited to this event, gets to buy a bicycle for $10, a brand new bicycle he bought for $10 for his son. And his words were now I get to go home and be the hero to my son. Mm-hmm. And that's what that terminology is what taught me. Oh man, how many times in my church world mission trip experience did I, did we create a scenario where we were the hero to them and their families rather than creating a scenario where they could be the hero to their own family. Um, and so that kind of a, is our filter through everything, even with a laundry project, even though we're paying it for it, and it's free to them. We try to create in ways for them to be able to go this. I, I did this for myself. I got a little bit of a hand up, but I was able to do this for myself and for my family. That is awesome. Do you do any um, complimentary like other things at the laundry project? Like I know I've seen some people when they do a free laundry day, they'll also be like giving away school supplies or, you know, do you have any complimentary services that you do on those days? Yeah. Uh, as much as we can. Yeah. There's, there's layers, uh, that we try to do. One is, um, any kind of, um, you know, medical or insurance, uh, type of type of organization. So we have, you know, companies like, um, one of like United healthcare, for example, they'll, they'll come and set up at a laundry project where people can get accessibility to, we can help you get, uh, you know, medical care insurance or Medicaid, whatever you don't, if you don't know what you're available, you know, what is accessible to you, that's what we're here to do. Sometimes we'll have blood donor mobiles there. And that's another layer of us going, Hey, you're getting this help now pass that on, go donate blood while you're, while you're nice. being washed. Um, you know, early childhood education groups, um, a lot of times churches as well. You know, one of the, one of the biggest volunteer groups or churches that we work with. And that for us is also a, a level of, you know, these people can help you in other ways. I look at it as I can't solve all your problems for you. I can do this one thing, can help you in this one way. Hopefully we can bring some other people into the laundromat that can help you in other ways as well. Um, and as you know, as well as I do, laundromats are like community hubs mm-hmm. for people. Um, everyone knows each other there. They're, you know, it's, it's funny too, during projects, a lot of times they'll self-police each other. My dad being a, being a retired cop, the first time he came to a project, we had this box of quarters that was sitting on the, on the table, you know, and he came up to me at one point. He's like, I hope you're not leaving that box of quarters just sitting out by itself. And we, we don't, but I was like, honestly, dad, I, I wouldn't have any problem doing it. Cause I guarantee you the moment that someone tries to take the roll of quarters, there are about 50 moms in here right now that will jump all over that person, <laughs> for, for that, you know, because they look at it as like, don't, don't bite the hand, you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, well, we've and- experienced that. <clears throat> I don't know if you know a lot about our story, but when we bought our first laundromat 12 years ago, it was a complete dump and we didn't have any money. And it was a, it was a mess. A lot of sweat equity, borrowed and leveraged a lot of money to fix it up and made it nice. Kept my full-time job, rolled that into number two, did the same thing again. And it took, it took us six or seven years to really make even any money, to be honest yeah. with you, which yeah. we were fine with because we were building a business and changing communities. And one of the things we learned along the way is as we reinvested in those businesses and people saw me in there at midnight in my work clothes from the day, like I didn't have to say anything. It was obvious what was happening to these people. They became yeah. fiercely defensive of us and what we were doing. And at, at back then, now we're fully attended, so we always have staff there. But back then we didn't. We were unattended most of the time and we would hear stories and we would see things on video of like somebody going to write on the wall or kicking a door and another customer comes up and gives them the what for. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I think that's, I think that's powerful stuff. And I think that we need to realize that you talked about being the savior, you know, we're doing good stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, you know, getting some fulfillment out of that, but yeah. understand you're not doing this alone, no matter what. And right. to see that the community buys in and gets involved, that's when these things really snowball, if you will. And I'm guessing that's what you're referring to. Uh, yeah. But that's powerful stuff. I think if I, as you're told this uh, affordable Christmas story, I think I remember, I think it was you and I that just exchanged a few comments on a Facebook or LinkedIn post that you made about about your affordable Christmas because our church does the same thing here in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's yeah. and And as soon as you did it, that was – that was our experience um, as a as a congregation. Was that it, are we serving us and our like need to feel warm and fuzzy inside about how much good we did for others? I think there should be a lot of self reflection. Uh, charity is a good thing. It's important. It's powerful. Um, but as I've become more mature, not that I'm mature, <laughs> as I become a little more mature, I think it's important that we always, me and Carla always try to reflect on why are we doing this? Do because it for the right reasons. Yeah. If we're doing it for us, then then we maybe need to check ourselves. And and as you become or are more successful than others, because everything's relative in life, um, I think it's important to do those things. But I think it's important that the messages you're teaching yourself and your own heart, and then you talked about the kids, like our kids, for example, if we're taking them, what exactly is the message that we're showing them? Maybe even completely unintentionally. I think there's, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot more here than just like going in, paying for someone's laundry and leaving. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of lessons. And we say all the time in the show, a part of the reason we do the show is because I learned so much about laundromat ownership and business ownership that has made us successful from friends and mentors and coaches that aren't in the laundromat industry. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we always say is business entrepreneurship, the lessons that make you successful um, in business are transferable. About 80 to 90 percent, we estimate those things are transferable from industry to industry. And so I think that applies in this situation with, you know, charity and and nonprofit type of work is you can look at 
the lessons that, and I'm guessing you have, you can look at the lessons you learned from the laundry project and say, how can we do this affordable Christmas better or maybe vice versa? And then yeah. you come on a show like this with, you know, a few thousand people watching and you say, okay, let's, let's share how we do what we do. Cause we can't be in every city and yeah. laundromat owners, guys that are friends of mine out there and gals, we'll give you an opportunity to plug in with Jason at the end of the show and make donations and all those things. And I hope and pray that you will do those things. But the reality is like, don't just look at this. Don't listen to this show through just that lens. Look at it through the lens of what can I do? And if it's a lot, do a lot. If it's a little, do a little. But all those things yeah. be really be really intentional. Like listen to this is someone that's done this for basically your whole life. If you if we go back to your church days, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of lessons of how to do it right and how to do it wrong. If we want to take the pride in the fact that we're serving others. Let's make sure we're serving them to the best of our abilities, not yeah. not twenty percent them and fifty percent me. Right. And that's just my opinion. I know that's a little bold, but but oh, no. that's kind of who I am anyway. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I I agree with you. Which is you know that's why we talk about like is this how I would do it for my own family? Yeah. And if it's not, you know, then it's not how we should do it for another family. Um, and you're right there for us, and even with affordable Christmas, uh, with this. Anytime I talk to volunteers or new people, I always try to context for them. You know, when it comes to Christmas, it's just toys, right? It's mm -hmm. these toys will be broken probably in within a year or it's just laundry. These clothes that they are washing two years from now, they may not even own anymore because they're thrown out. They're old, whatever, whatever it is. But it's not about that. It's not about that physical thing that they're putting in their hands or giving to their kids. It's about what that thing represents, it's about the hope that that represents clean laundry is, is a dignifier. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a thing that everyone needs. It brings dignity. And I, you know, we, we talk about what our mantra is. We're being, we want to be hope dealers and we, you know, our business, what we say, our business with the laundry project is to, is to deal soap and hope. That's what we're here to do in this laundromat. And that clean laundry just it represents hope for some people for a lot, you know, some, some of these families, I mean, if I could tell you that some of the stories that I've heard of people just the, I can, you know, like I couldn't afford to have a birthday party for my, for my kid. And now that I saved $40 on washing, mm -hmm. like $40 to a lot of people, it's just, you know, it's $40, throw it away on a lunch, you mm -hmm. know, but for some people that $40 that they're spending on laundry, is the difference between washing clothes or having a birthday party for my child. Mm -hmm. And that intrinsic value is what we're really here for. We want to turn this laundromat into a community center of hope for these few hours. And mm -hmm. we want people to know that. And for me, because I am a, because I am a believer for me, it's a, I want you to know that God cares about something as simple as you having clean laundry, mm -hmm. because God cares about every bit of your life. And that's what we're here to represent. Um, and so for us, it's another reason why I don't believe in one and done type scenarios. I don't believe in, yeah, we'll come do a free laundry day at your laundromat and never be here again. Our, our thing is, if we're going to do it with you, we're going to do this. We want a commitment with you as the owner that we're going to do this over time, multiple times throughout the year or, you know, throughout the next couple of years, because, you know, the one and done kind of thing is us 
nine times out of 10 patting ourselves on the back. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we took our photos, like, look what we did. Great. And then we move on with our life. And, and that's that, you know, it's one thing to do the work you're doing. Um, it's another thing to do with the way you're doing it. So good for you. I think the world needs more of both quite frankly. Um, and I think this is how we inspire each other to do it and, and obviously support your work as well. I have a quick question for you and this is a little bit selfish, but I'm sure other people will get something out of it. You talked about, um, I forget your exact terminology, but you talked about like, uh, I don't know if you use this word, but bringing in a mammogram mobile clinic, or I think mm -hmm. blood donation is when you used or something yeah. like that in conjunction with the fact that you're driving traffic, you know, a lot of traffic at once to a community hub, as you mentioned, how, if a laundromat owner wanted to do stuff like that, and they just honestly didn't even know how, like, right. what's like a really quick, like maybe 60 second tips you can give them on who they would even reach out to and what organizations and how could they, cause I'm sure if we can get to the right person, they're going to probably jump all over it. But yeah. as business owners, a lot of times we just know laundry or business and we don't, yeah. we're not even sure who to connect with and how. Yeah. Any, any tips uh, there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, on the one hand, you know, when it comes to like blood donation, for example, they're always looking for places to do them. Um, every community has different ones. Um, you know, like here we have, uh, it's like the red, they call it the red bus or something like that. And it's literally like a red bus that they bring. Um, yeah, I think we have Hawksworth. We have Hawksworth and that's a I national think, thing uh, Red not. Cross or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that one is as simple as, you know, just Googling who, you know, who's in charge of blood donor mobiles and just calling them and scheduling a day. The other thing that we do that I think is great is an, um, is contact the local health department. I would love for the health department to, a lot of communities have a mobile um, HIV testing, um, you know, medical testing. They, a lot of them have mobile units like that, and they're always looking for places that will let them uh, set up um, where there's, you know, typically high traffic. So contact the health department and going, hey, my laundromat is busy, you know, for five hours on Saturday from, during these times. Um, I'd love for them to be here and, um, you know, give out information, give people access to testing if they want, that kind of stuff. United Healthcare is a great place. They're, they're all over the country. They'll come. And the nice thing about like a United Healthcare or somebody like that is they don't, they can't go after people like they're not sales salesy um, because by law they have to have people approach them so they can set really? up a table. Yeah. So, you know, as long as they have permission to like set up a table at the laundromat, either outside by the door or inside, whatever. And they'll just, they'll just have their stuff set up. They're not going to be like trying awesome. to grab people coming in and like, Hey, come check out my booth and all that kind of stuff. They're just there and they'll say hi to people but they can't really do anything unless someone goes, Hey, what are you, what are you doing over here? And then they can engage in the conversation that way, but it's having that available for people to see. And then also I would say, you know, contact CLA and ask them about the um, uh, early childhood education mm -hmm. things that CLA is working on within laundromats. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I know there's various levels of that, but some of those are pretty simple because a lot, a lot of cities, especially Metro cities have, some local version of a um, early childhood education organization. And they would love to come hang out at your laundromat 
for a few hours and give away books and help kids and parents with reading uh, resources and things like that. So those are three, I would say, you know, call, check out, you know, Red Cross, whoever that does blood donor in your city, health department. Um, they all have all kinds of resources to get in people's hands. Um, and, uh, CLA as well. Okay. Yeah. We just had Brian Wallace on our podcast and he was talking okay. about, yeah, we just had him. He was talking about laundry cares and how even some businesses are starting to want to, um, put in reading centers in laundromats. They're actually looking for laundromats to put them in where they even yeah, like will bigger, pay for them. Bigger yeah. corporations are buying the replay learn center kits, mm -hmm. donating them to the CLA and saying, can you help us find a, a Dave men's and Carla men's laundromat owner that yeah. will, will, will pay for it if they'll let us put it in type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, is kind of that awesome. in community involvement. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think what it boils down to is this is this, is, we appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Cause I mean, I know I've gained all kinds of ideas. I'm probably going to drive Carla crazy now. Cause you give me a new <laughs> idea and I usually don't let it go. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, is there anything else we haven't covered today that you feel like would be valuable to our audience? Because you're, you're the expert here and I want, I want our audience to get as much out of this as possible. And, uh, wow. Thank you for taking the time to explain to us what you do, but how you do it, because hopefully we can maybe teach a few people how to fish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, the only thing I would say is like we were talking about earlier, some of those philosophies, I agree with you. They are philosophies that transfer to any kind of business. Um, one of the things that I, when I first started doing this one, I learned way more about laundry than I ever cared. I learned, <laughs> I learned way more about laundromats than I ever cared to know. I never, you know, the most time I spent in a laundromat before doing this was in college dropping off my laundry at a wash dry fold place mm -hmm. to do my laundry. Um, that's the most amount of time I spent in a laundromat. But when I started doing this, I learned very quickly. I can, I can tell what kind of owner they are within the first 10 seconds of walking into a laundromat. I can tell by whether it's clean, how bright it is. If, a lot of machines are broken, not broken, that kind of stuff. I can tell very quickly. And I, you know, not, it's impossible to always have every machine working at all times. Um, but there's a distinct difference between that and there are 10 machines that just have tape over them or whatever, and nothing's, nothing's working. Mm. And what, what you do with that laundromat says a lot to that community about how you view them living in that community. I learned a lot of that from that first owner that we couldn't find the information for because he was very much like you, Dave, that we would do these projects on a, on a Saturday and this guy would show up, you know, like I said, he was at the time, currently he's the statewide prosecutor for the state of Florida. So he works like directly for the governor and the attorney general. Um, this guy on a Saturday, we'd be there doing, doing projects. And this guy shows up in his shorts and ratty t-shirt He's crawling around behind machines, fixing stuff. And if no one, if I didn't tell you what he did for a living, you would never guess it because he was just there cleaning and he would go over to the drink machine. He would just unlock the drink machine and let people, you know, take sodas out of the drink machine while the project's going on, stuff like that. And everyone knew who he was and they knew, even though 
you know, his laundromats are open air laundromats. So they are a little harder to keep clean all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But they all knew who he was. They knew him by name. They knew, you know, oh yeah, he's always here working on stuff. And that says a lot to the people in that community um, that this person cares about their business. And I've seen people go across town to go to those people's laundromats rather than the one that's right around the corner from them mm-hmm. because they can tell that this person cares about um, their safety, the cleanliness of the place, all of, all of those kinds of things. So uh, in my opinion, those things, those things matter from a business standpoint. And then I'll just throw this in there real quick too, something on top of what we, what we do. A few years ago, we started working with mural artists um, to uh, help beautify the buildings of those laundromats. I mean, you know, most, a lot of laundromats are very industrial. They're not the most, you know, they're not the funnest place to hang out. Mm-hmm. And um, we started working with mural artists in on, on buildings that the laundromat owner had, you know, either owns the building or has permission to do that kind of stuff. And so partnered up with a laundry project, we would have these professional mural artists do um uh, we call it the clean campaign and do a clean mural on uh, the laundromat itself. And part of that was one to help beautify the neighborhood, help beautify the building itself, but it also brings some dignity and pride into the neighborhood. A lot of, a lot of cities that have mural festivals and all that kind of stuff, they're typically done in the city center where, you know, where there's money because the philosophy a lot of times is, you know, people that are that are low income, they don't appreciate those kinds of things. They'll just tear it up or whatever. And our goal was, no, no, you don't understand people in those communities. So we want to help you change your perspective because mm-hmm. they they will appreciate art like this because they look they see they feel overlooked by their own city mm-hmm. because no one's coming to their neighborhood and doing these kinds of things and helping raise up artists from those neighborhoods. Um, and so we, you know, we started doing a series of these murals at laundromats, and, you know, little things like that. And just thinking about the color that I've painted my laundromat inside and outside and, um, you know, the things that are in there, what that says to your community drives a lot of people coming to your laundromat as well. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up about inside the laundromat. Cause that's something that I think we've only recently begun to understand is, those little touches, they make a difference. I mean, they make a difference in your business and your value proposition too, what you can charge, things like that. But they, they do, they do genuinely make a difference in people's moods and behaviors, colors, psychologically affect people. And maybe you don't need that boost, but I promise you there's people that do, and they may not even know they're receiving it, but they'll, it's, it's still happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think those things really make a, they make a big impact more so than we can really ever quantify. We're building a new laundromat right now, which is kind of like Dave's little pride and joy, 12 years of like knowledge all wrapped into one place. And, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm having all kinds of funs with that. And Carla, I'm not a creative person. Carla is. Um, and so we're kind of working together on like adding all these little aesthetic elements into the, the bathrooms or the kids that we're going to have a kid's zone and different things like that. And, and just the, the pops of color and the neon lights and, and stuff like that. Things, things that uh, a lot of, a lot of laundromats don't see value in. Um, But we've, we've kind of started to figure that out over time that it's, it's good for business, but it's also impactful for the community. So 
So I appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, so Jason. If we have listeners, how do they get you to come and do this in their communities, in their laundromat? Yeah. So people can contact us through um, the easiest ways through our website. Um, you can go to laundrybycurrent.org, laundrybycurrent.org. There's a um, contact page on there and people can see news stories and videos and photos of stuff, of what we, all of the stuff that we talked about, they can see what it looks like. And um, people can contact us there and find out more uh, of what we do there. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, we want to see this in happening in every community possible, especially every metro city possible. Um, and yeah, I can't beat everyone. We can't have a, a person at everyone. But um, if we can teach some people locally, a laundromat owner that has the resources to be able to pull it off, I'd love to help you um, mm -hmm. be able to do that. So. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. We're working on something on our website, just going to be kind of a one page website. We're connecting people. Um, and would it be okay if we put a link to your website on our website? Uh, it's kind of a, we're calling it kind of preferred vendors. So some of it will be like, you know, what I call rock star distributors. I want to kind of promote them because they're doing good stuff in the industry. But I think your website would be valuable in that context um, on our website, if that would be okay for yeah, us to do. And we'll, we'll, we'll coordinate with you through email or whatever, just a little synopsis of kind of what, who you are and what you are. Um, if that'd be all right, we'd like to do Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely. Those. Do you guys take donations? Like if someone says, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe we, I know we have some audience that don't actually own laundromats or businesses and they might want to just make a donation to your next project. Can they do that through the website too? Or how, how can they reach Absolutely. you that way? Yeah. People can donate there on our website. Um, yeah, in multiple multiple ways. Honestly, that's why I do most of this. this is I got to raise money, you know, sure. because we do. Like I said, you know, there there are a lot of laundromats that we work with that they don't have those kind of resources, and mm -hmm. and we come in not expecting them to have those kind of resources. Mm -hmm. um, and but yes, on our website, um, there's a there's a place where people can donate financially. There's a way, you know, if it's a let's say it's a vendor as well. There's uh, vendors if there's vendors listening can contact us and, you know, we'll coordinate if they want to donate soap or bleach, things like that as a vending company to some of our projects, that would be uh, a big as well, yeah. which we do a lot of that. Um, like we work with uh, the soccer team in Austin in uh, a couple other cities where they volunteer. And so they, you know, try to work with their, their community vendors as well to get things donated for the projects that we do um, so that the money that we we get we can put more of that into machines rather than um, buying supplies and that mm. kind of stuff yeah that makes sense that makes sense well listen guys obviously jason and his organization has been doing great work for a long time but if you're if you're in a position where you can make a financial donation if you own a laundromat reach out to them. As he mentioned, all you have to do is be willing to let them and their organization come in and do what they do. You can be as much a part of that as you want to be or as little. Um, they obviously have a really good system for serving the community. And even if, even if you don't directly produce, you know, put anything into the project and their organization does all the work and all the financial commitment, you're still going to get a lot of community. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, community value people are going to recognize the fact that you let the or let laundry project come in and do a project like this in your laundromat so you're going to get cre maybe credibility 
not not finding the right goodwill? word. Goodwill. Thank <laughs> Is that you. It? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, goodwill. Thank you. You're going to get a lot of community goodwill out of that. Um, you know, so, but, but man, guys, whether you do a project like this yourself, you take it on yourself, which we all know plenty of laundromat owners. I know many laundromat owners out there that are fully capable of doing something like this on their own. Guys, I'm challenging you. Let's do this. Okay. We, me and Carla talk about all the time, the fact that laundromats are a vital community resource and there is a lot of good people out there doing a lot of good work already. Uh, but we can always push ourselves and do a little bit more. So whether you need to get involved with Jason's organization, the Laundry Cares, as he mentioned, over at CLA, uh, your local health department, just find a way to do your part, guys, because our communities need us. We are a vital community resource. We have a powerful tool at our disposal, and we should be using that for good. Um, I know a lot of you are, and I know a lot of you are always looking for new and innovative ways to do that, and that's why we wanted to bring you this episode today. Um, but listen, Jason, I don't know if you're interested, but can, can people reach you personally? I mean, is there a way that they can connect with you personally? I know you're on social media and things like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say social media is probably the, probably the best. Mm -hmm. um, on, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It's my name, Jason Sowell, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my handle is at Jason Sowell as well. S O W E L L. So, okay. um, yeah, absolutely. would love that. All right. Well, fantastic guys. Jason's another one of those guys in the world, just doing a lot of good. Let's surround him with, uh, with some love and a little bit of money or maybe a lot of bit of money. Uh, let's, let's, let's show him that we appreciate him. Show us that, uh, show us that shirt real quick, if you could. Oh yeah. Yeah. These are our, uh, these are our volunteer there shirts. You go. We Hope oh, dealer. Cool. Hope dealer. Yeah. So when yep. our, dealer. when our team leads are there, that's typically what they're, what they're wearing, um, for our projects. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's like pretty cool. That. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. If nothing else, pull a few of those golden nuggets, maybe not for business so much, pull them out and serve your community. I promise you that's going to be good for your business in the long run. Uh, Jason, thanks for being here today. Uh, for Dave and Carlo Menz in Cincinnati, Ohio, everyone, we'll see you next time for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.